may be seated. Uh, I'm doing a series of teaching on the Save series, the Save Me series that I'm teaching on. And uh, my message today, Lord, save me from hell. And I'll be teaching from this topic, amen, memories from hell. Memories from hell. That's something that we don't hear talked about a lot this morning is about hell. We don't hear much about that. And because we don't hear much about that, people are not in tune with what happens in the afterworld. And a lot of people have not made an effort to be saved because they don't realize that when you die, life is not over. But life just begins. And that there is an eternal place that those who are not saved go to and are never able to get out. And you burn for eternity. If you die and you are not saved, according to the scripture, you will go to hell. And hell is a reality. If you're smoking dope and you smoke the wrong one and it busts your heart and you die, you're going to hell if you're not saved or you'll never get out. If you're riding in the car and somebody makes a mistake and go in the next lane and hit you and you leave here and leave into eternity without being saved, you will go to hell. If a stray bullet, now people don't believe in hell, I want to talk about it from the Bible. If a stray bullet is going in the air and somebody's shooting and the bullet happened to hit you and you're not saved and you die, you're going to go to hell. We don't talk about this, but I want to show you a story about a man that went to hell. In the book of Luke, chapter 15, chapter 16, follow me please, Luke chapter 16, so that I can give you somewhat of what it feels like in hell, what is hell about. Jesus being God, and I want you to hear this, knows everything. He decides in Luke chapter 16 to show his Godship and his ability by telling the readers of a past event that he recalled that took place with somebody, with two people that died of a previous time. So he's expressing to them what he knows about the afterlife and telling his disciples. 16, and are there, there are people that don't believe in hell and people don't believe in hell exist. I had a Jehovah witness to tell me, he said, there is no hell. And I said to him, if you're right and I'm wrong, we ain't got nothing to lose. But if I'm right and you're wrong, you got some problems. 
scientifically, we got proof that there's a hell. Because lava and volcanoes come, travel nine miles through the ocean and hit the top and they're still hot. Before all of the technology exists to even know about hell, the Bible tells us about this place underneath that's full of fire and they had no way of knowing that was there. And later we discovered it is true. So it does exist. Luke 15, 16 rather, and 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desired to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass, listen, the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, and in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember thy in thy life, thou receivest thy good things. I want you to get that word, remember thou in thy life. Thou receivest good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and thou tormented. And besides all of this, between us and you there is a gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, I have five brethren that may testify that he may testify unto them, lest they might also come unto this place of torment. Abraham said unto them, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went from went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, If they will not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded by one who rose from the dead. Now, this is what I want you to see in this conversation. Though this man is dead, though he is in hell, he still is brought back by Abraham to remember what you did when you were living. You are here, but remember what you did when you were alive. The first day in hell, you're going to remember some things. You're going to remember every altar call that I made that you refused to come to. You're going to remember every message that was preached to you every time you had an opportunity to be baptized in Jesus' name, every time you had an opportunity to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You're going to remember that you said you wanted to give him more time. I'm not ready yet. I'm going to wait. Not now. I, give me a little more time. Give me a few more minutes. I'm not ready. This man remembers everything. You're going to remember how you treated people. You're going to remember how you acted. You're going to remember your pornography that you couldn't let go. 
You're going to remember your alcoholism. You're going to remember all the things that you struggled with, all the things and all of the reasons that you said you didn't want God. All of a sudden, they're going to become important. Memories from hell. Abraham said, while you're here, let's go back and reflect on what you had in life. Let's reflect on how you treated this gentleman that was alive. What will be your reflection in hell? What will you remember if you died today and, you, and it is real? It is for real? We come to the church and we hear the word of God. We hear preaching and we hear teaching. And we almost have gotten to the point that we only believe the good stuff in the Bible. We only believe that God is a healer. We only believe that God is a way maker. We only believe that God will do this and God will do that. And the very, the very fact that I'm mentioning today that God will allow you to go in hell and live forever, the very thought of that will give somebody the mindset, I don't think God would do that to me. If God is so good, why would this happen? That's why people don't want to be saved because many of you don't realize all of us are living one step away from death. And to know that if I leave here without salvation, that I would go to hell, I'm living a risky life every day. You don't have to be doing anything to die. Death does not call you and tell you it's coming. Every man and woman that has walked in this building, that have came into this church today, you came here escaping death. You were playing Russian roulette to step out of your house. You were playing Russian roulette to get here because you don't know what drunk driver is going to run the light. You're playing Russian roulette to even to go to sleep at night because the world is so dangerous that people can break in your house, rape you and rob you and kill you while you're sleeping. So just to be alive and walking in this world without salvation is playing Russian roulette. And yet there will be somebody that says, I don't want to be saved. I'm not ready yet. I don't want to turn loose when I get ready. Are you with me, saints? Somebody say hallelujah. Can you lift your hands and say hallelujah? Just as sure as there's a God, there's a hell. Revelations chapter 19 and 20, Revelations 19 and 20, Lord, save me from hell. Hallelujah. Now, I talked about saving yourself from this untoward generation, but God, I need you to save me from hell. Somebody say hallelujah. When you talk to people about do you want to be saved, sometimes they don't understand what we mean. You know, we say, you want to be saved? Do you want to be saved? You want to be saved? And we hear that. And you know what people think about when you say you want to be saved, they think about, do I want to speak in tongue? Do I want to shout? Do I want to dance? And some don't even know what it means to be saved. But when the question and I ask, do you want to be saved? One simple way of putting it is, do you want to go to hell? Because if you don't want to be saved, you're automatically acknowledging that you're all right with going to hell. 
To reject salvation is to reject deliverance. And all of us in here today who have proclaimed I'm saved, it's not just saying I speak in tongues, it's not just saying I've been baptized in Jesus' name, but to say I'm saved is saying I have escaped the wrath that is to come. And my jumping and shouting is not simply because I've spoken tongues are not simply because I've been baptized, but my jumping and shouting is that I have come to the realization that if I die today, I'm all right. I've made peace with God. And I don't have to walk around in the world scared or nervous or wondering what's going to happen. I don't have to fear like others fear because I'm all right. And it's good to live a life that, but if you're not saved, you ought to be one of the most scariest person in this world. If you're not saved, you ought to know that I'm living right on the urge of death. I'm living on the urge of going out into eternity without having hope. I'm living on the urge because just as sure as I live, there are things all around you that can kill us. So to be saved means I've escaped the wrath of the world to come. If you're saved here, you ought to give God a hand praise and tell him thank you. If you, know, if you know what it means to be saved and you thank God that when, when I say I'm saved, I'm talking about more than just a jump. I'm talking about more than just a shout. If a virus hit me and I died, I'm all right with it. If I walked out of here today and somebody ran the red light, I'm all right with it. If somebody poisoned me and I drunk something and it took me out, I'm all right with it. If some madman walks in the job that I work on who's blowing people's brains out, if I die, I'm all right. That's not the way that I wish to go, but if I do go, it's well with my soul. That's something to praise God for. Because every one of you that are in here, you got to die. If the rapture don't come, you got to die. And it's not promised that you're going to get to be 60 or 70 or 80. You can die now. You can die young. Nine chapter of Hebrews in the 27th verse. Nine and 27. Follow me, please. Nine and 27. And the strange thing about death that I want you to get and hear me is every single person in here that's here, you don't just die. Every person that's here, God got an appointed time for you to die. Every one of you got a mystery date on your head now. You don't just die, it's appointed. It's appointed. God has already decided that you're going to die. Now every now and then you get somebody that can step into the will of God and talk to God and God changed that day. Hezekiah was getting ready to die. And God said it's your time and Hezekiah said, hey, can I buy more time? And God gave him overtime. I think some of you young people in here who have escaped accidents and bullets and wrecks, that many of you, it was your time to die. But your parents asked for more time. Your parents said, not now. God, please give him so more. So if that bullet was supposed to kill you and it didn't kill you, it wasn't because you was lucky. 
if when that car flipped over and it didn't take you, it wasn't because you was lucky. It was because somebody got into the mercy mode of God and God said, I'll give them more time. God will give you what is called a grace period. If you've been shot and you made it, and it was supposed to kill you, that's grapes, period. If you were diagnosed with a disease that was supposed to take you out, and you went through intensive care and all those other things to die, and the Lord brought you out of it, now you're not living your life. No, you're not living your life because you are above your time. You see, when there's a due date on your phone that says the bill is due on the 5th, if it's still on there the 6th and the 7th and the 8th, that's grace. And you don't know when they're going to cut it off. When you should have died and didn't die and you still walk around here, you living by grace. And you don't know when your time is going to be cut off and you sitting around here talking about you don't want to be saved and you already haven't paid the bill and you already on a grace period and you walking around here like you don't want God. It is appointed. When God get ready to take you out of here, it doesn't matter how much education you got. It doesn't matter how much money you got. That's why God gave us these parables about these two people, one rich and one poor. You can't pay yourself out of hell. Sometimes we get our education and we get our monies and we get our degrees and forget about that we've got to die. And because we get so caught up in life that we forget you got to die. Donald Trump has have to die. Amen. Praise the Lord. The poor man on the corner has got to die. It is appointed to everybody to die. Rich folk die. Doctors try to keep you alive and they still die. There's no lawyer that can negotiate and go to court to get you out when it's time to die. When it's appointed to die, you got to go. Hebrews 9 and 27. And as it is appointed unto men once to die and after death. That's what we want to talk about. After death. That means it doesn't stop at death. After death is the judgment. It's no longer scary not to be saved. It's cool. It's fine. I'm all right. The average person who doesn't want to be saved think they're getting saved for somebody. Like being saved is doing the church a favor. And not being saved is hard time in God. Oh, I don't want to be saved. I ain't ready for that yet. I come when I get ready. Whenever I want to get ready, I get ready. 
not knowing that your decision not to be made is not your decision. It's a demon that got you stupid. It's a demon who's working on the mind of the sinner that don't want to be saved because he wants you to go to hell. He come to steal, kill, and destroy. So your decision not to be saved is not your decision. Because anybody in their right mind who know if I die and I'm going to hell, want to be saved. To know the punishment and the anguish and to really believe the Bible. Now I ask people, do you believe the Bible? Yes. Do you believe that if you die you're going to hell? Yes. I believe it. Do you want to go to hell? No. Do you want to be saved? No. There's something wrong with you. And it's not mental, it's spiritual. Because if somebody came with a gun to shoot, you would hide. You would run and try to save yourself from that physical death. But yet, God has given you an opportunity to save yourself from spiritual death. Something has to be wrong for me to know that there's dope out here that's killing people like that. And I'm willing to take some dope from somebody I don't know what they put in it and smoke it. And it could take me out. Something wrong with a man who jumps on a motorcycle, riding, crazily, ain't safe, 120 miles, catwalking and everything else, knowing that if he hit that bump the wrong way, that he is going to die and go to hell. I look at all of these educated people who are doctors and lawyers, people who understand God and got all of this education and degrees and all of this success, movie stars, television stars, and all these people, yet the most important decision of their life, they haven't made that yet. They've got their college fund together, They've got their insurance together. If you ask them about their financial portfolio, portfolio and everything else when it comes down to life, oh, they got it designed out. They got their retirement together. I can retire at 50. I can retire at 60. All their business they got right. Even got money saved up for the children's retirement. But haven't made a decision for their own soul. That's careless. It is appointed to man wants to die. It's appointed to die. Can somebody say hallelujah? <laughs> Lift your hands up and say, Lord, save me from hell. Lift those hands again and say, Lord, save me from hell. Hallelujah. I'm not just talking about saved from smoking and saved from drinking and saved from this. God, I want to be saved from hell. I do not want to die and go to hell. Somebody say hallelujah. Lift up your hands and say, Lord, save me. Revelation 19, 20 says, And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before them that which uh, he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshiped his image. And they were both cast alive in a lake of fire. They were both cast alive in a lake of fire. Let me explain this to you as I move forward because 
I want to talk about God saving us from hell. But somebody asked the question to me, said, how, how, explain hell. How do you go to hell? Well, first of all, we know two things. The man that died was buried. Mean his body was in the ground. But he still had a tongue. And he still had fingers. Every motion that you have, every feeling that you have, he still had a memory. It still exists. First, I want you to understand something. The body that you live in is not you. It houses you. You live in this body. When you die, you're not over. That's why they call it transitioning. It is moving from one location to another. This is a physical world, so God put you in a physical body so that you can have interaction. But when you die, your, your soul leaves out of this body and goes into eternity. All of us have to go what to what is called death. And death has two doors. When you die and get on the other side, you have a door that leads to eternal life and a door that leads to eternal destruction. So at the point that a person dies, they leave and go into whatever direction. And that direction is based upon your life here. You don't make decisions once you get there. Based upon your life here, when you die, God says left, right. Left, right. Rich man died, left. Lazarus died, right. There's a checkout point. Glory to God. I said there's a checkout point. See, this is not a bus ride. This is not a train ride. On a bus ride, there's not many checkpoints. You just get in and get on the bus. On a train ride, there's not many checking points. But if you're going to go in the plane, you've got to go through the checkpoint. And everything can go through on the airplane. And so there are things that you got to take off if you want to make it to heaven. There's got to be a checkpoint. Hallelujah. You can't make it to heaven any kind of way. And there's some things that you got to give up. And what the church is, is the checkpoint. And while I'm preaching now, if you find something in your life that's not supposed to be there, you take it off, you take it off, you take it off before the plane get ready to leave. You got time to unload some stuff. Now, take off the pornography. Take off the sin. That's why I said, let us lay aside every weight in the sin that do it so easily besets you. And every Sunday morning, I'm here as a security guard. Every Sunday morning, I take this wand and I come and I put it against you. Y'all hear me, saints. Shut up, son. Every Sunday morning, you talking about you want to go to heaven? You talking about you want to make it? Every Sunday, I'm trying to scan you. And some of you won't turn loose some stuff. I'm trying to scan you. And you still want to take it in. You got to give up something. You got to turn loose something. 
I know that every funeral you went to, they done told you everybody going to heaven. Even to the point that some of you all think you're all right. And you think you're fine. But you're not all right. And I want to get my business together. Somebody ought to say hallelujah. In the Bible days, they had a checkpoint for the animals. And they had a checkpoint for the humans. The animal checkpoint, hallelujah, was taller. And the animals could walk through. But there was this thing called the eye of a needle. Go to the book of Matthew chapter 19. Jesus has a conversation with the rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler said, what is it that I need to do to enter the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus said, sell everything you got. And you can make it in. Then the rich man said, I, I can't give up this stuff. I can't turn it loose. Then Jesus made this statement in 23, 1923. Then said Jesus unto him, disciples, bail I said unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a, a, a camel to go into the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. But what is he saying? What is an eye of a needle? When you got ready to go into a city, you had the normal place that the humans walked through and you had a place that the cameras walked through. The cameras way that they walked, it was high enough to handle the camera's hump. But every now and then, the camera line was long. And every now and then, Somebody would say, man, I don't want to wait for the line. And they take the camera and try to get him through the human check-in point. And it was hard to get him in because the camera carried luggage on his back. And the camera got a hump. And the hump made it impossible for him to get in. And what he's saying is hard for some of y'all to get in because you got a hump on your back. You got too much luggage. And what they had to do is take that camera and make him kneel down. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He, some of us got too much luggage. You got a hump on your back. But if you want to get in, you got to kneel down. You got to humble yourself. Hallelujah. You got to give up something. You got to turn something loose. You got to give up some people. You got to give up some friends. And it's hard to get people to unload. It's hard to get people to get rid of the luggage. Why? Because these people have traveled from places to places. And they said, I got my clothes in here. I got my food in here. And we understand that today because sometimes you pack stuff now and they make you throw it away or you can't get 
in. But there are some people who are so caught up when they got to throw away, they'd rather not make the trip. But God said, throw it away and make the trip. I got something in the kingdom that's worth more than that that lotion that you got. You know, folk, they come down there, you got lotion and cologne and perfume. They won't let you take it in because they say it ain't worth it. But when I looked, I went to the airport one day and I had all brought all this stuff and they told me I couldn't take it with me. I got a $300 ticket and a $50 bottle of cologne. You think I'm going to miss my trip for a $55 bottle of cologne and I done paid $300 for the trip? Why you going to lose your life over something that ain't worth it? Heaven is greater than him. Gravity is greater than a cigarette. Heaven is greater than a boyfriend. You going to miss God because you don't want to unload. You got to unload and turn loose some stuff. Some folk don't want to get saved because I want to dress a certain way. You're going to let an outfit keep you from the kingdom. Some folk don't want to get saved because they're holding on to a man or a woman that don't want you anyway. Some don't want to get saved because they want to vape a smoke, a drink, a party, a club. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You're going to have to turn loose something. Somebody say hallelujah. Look at somebody and say, whatever it take, hallelujah, I want to be saved. Glory to God. Whatever it take, I don't want to be saved. Now listen here. This is not my normal preaching. I don't usually preach something like this. This is out of the clear. But the Lord told me somebody here, this is a final call to you. Somebody here that's been running from God. God brought you here today to tell you, you better make a change. You have had too many death encounters and you wouldn't yield to God. You better humble yourself and come to God before it's too late. God is talking to somebody. I've given you time after time and opportunity after opportunity. Yield to him. Got to unload. Reach over and tell somebody you got to unload. Now let me tell you this as I get ready to go further. Hell is a journey that starts on earth. See, hell is a journey. It's a path. You don't just get there. Your life. You see, if I get on I-4 and go east, I know I'm heading to Tampa. I mean, west, I know I'm heading to Tampa. Go east, I know I'm heading to Orlando. The road from the club don't lead to heaven. There are certain things I see as I'm riding towards Tampa. I pass by Lakeland. Plant City, Buddy Freddy's. (laughs) 
And when I'm on that road, I know that's in that direction. When I head to Orlando, I got to go through Kissimmee and all these other places. What road are you traveling? And do you see familiar scenes that say heading to heaven? You're journeying from him on a road. This is why the Bible says in Psalms 1, 16 and 3, the sorrows of death can pass me and the pains of hell got a hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow. When you look at the book of Proverbs 9 and 18. I'm about to close, but it's Proverbs 9 and 18. God save me from hell. 9 and 18, it says, but he knoweth not that depths are there and that our guests are in the depths of hell. It talks about the directions of hell, the path that leads to hell, the way. There's a way. Book of Proverbs chapter 1 and 15, look at it real quickly. My son... Walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path. There's a path. Gang banging, shooting, shooting up. That's a path to hell. Praying, serving the Lord, the Bible, getting into the scriptures, seeking spiritual things, that's a path towards heaven. Not only are some of us on a road that's going to hell, that the end of that road is hell, but some of us are going there full speed. Just like I told you, you can get grace for your time, you can die before your time. Threatening people, gang banging. Hanging with the wrong crowd, joyriding, doing all kind of foolish living, threatening people without a gun. You're talking about, when I get back, I'm going to shoot you. You may not go there. You tell me, uh, when I get back, I'm going to get my stuff. You don't tell a man that and walk away. Some folk live foolish. Ecclesiastes 7 and 17. Be not, be not over much wicked. He say, Solomon say, don't do too much wicked. Don't be over much wicked. Neither be thou foolish. Why should thou die before thy time? You can do foolish stuff. I think there are young people that shouldn't have died at 18. Shouldn't have died at 19. Shouldn't have died at 20. God said, don't be over wicked. Why should you die before your time? Somebody say hallelujah. Can somebody lift your hands and say hallelujah? Matthew chapter 7 and 13. I'm going to get out of your way. Matthew 7 and 13. Look what it says. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go 
there in two, they're at. Now let me say this. The way to heaven is a narrow road. And that's what makes it so hard for people because the road isn't pleasant. It's narrow. The way to hell is so wide. You got so many things that you can do. The parting is so fun. The life is so thrilling. It's a wide road. But don't focus on the road. Focus where it ends. We got so much time. We got so much to focus on the road that we are enjoying the road and not knowing where the destination <coughs> is taking us. Where is this road leading? Where is the road of alcoholism and drugs? Fast money, sex, hatred, fighting, malice. Where are these roads leading? It's reading. Yes, it feels good, but the end of that road is hell. Jesus said, the road that I got you on is narrow. There are restrictions. There are things that you can't do. There are places that you can't go. But where is it heading? People have this notion that being saved is this boring lifestyle. And yes, there are restrictions with being saved. But of course, it's where I'm going, not the road I'm on. There are bumps in this road. Hallelujah. There's problems in this road. There's craves that you have to fight, temptations that you have to fight, mental battles that you have to fight, things that you have to give up. But I know where I'm going to be in the end. Hallelujah. I'm glad I'm on this road. The scene is not that nice. It is not the scene of partying. It is not the scene of clubs. It's not the scene sometimes because the world makes it look so happy. It's a narrow road. It's got bushes. It's got trees. It's in the wilderness. It's wild. It doesn't have this. We don't club three or four o'clock in the morning and get, we don't party and drink and drive. Oh, it seems like a restricted life, but what's at the end? What's at the end of the journey? Hell. Hell. I watched people ride this road when they were young and got down to their 50s and 60s and 70s and on their deathbed wishing they had never come on this road. Not after they die, but before they die. Sitting on hospital beds with AIDS and HIVs. Sitting from cirrhosis of livers and heart troubles and lung cancers from smoking. <clears throat> before they die, before they get out of here, just sitting there having regrets, wish they had not traveled this road. I wish I wouldn't have drunk. I wish I wouldn't have smoked. I went to a young man that lived the life of homosexuality. That's the life that he chose for himself. That's the life that he wanted to live. And I went down to his hospital bed, and this is before they found so many ways of treating these diseases. I went down to his hospital bed when he was dying on his last stages, and he looked at me and said, Pastor, I wish I had listened. Sores all over his body. Mouth, at that time, they didn't have all this medicine. They had mouth full of sores. 
In order for me to get in, I had to isolate myself and put myself, that was when we had to do that, had to isolate myself and put myself in because it hit him so quick. Uh, 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 AIDS was getting so quick, they didn't have no cure. You get AIDS, six months later, you were dead. Raised Pentecostal. White friend of mine. <clears throat> we were close. <clears throat> Raised Pentecostal. Raised apostolic, raised knowing the truth, but sitting on that hospital bed, he said, I wish I would have listened. And he said to me, because, you know, when you got AIDS back then, you was trying to hide it and didn't want everybody to know. And they had kept him in seclusion. And he said, Brother Coward, let them know not to live this life. Let them know not to live a life of homosexuality. Let them know not to go this route. I'm going to die young. I'm not going to fulfill my life. I'm going to be in it. It's going to be it. Let them know to take the other road. Don't travel this road. Don't go down this road. Young people, we're trying to teach you and tell you. And I know sometimes you all get aggravated and agitated with parents and get saved, get saved. No. We're like, we know there's a cliff down there and we're down on the road flagging you down. Hey, son, you're living life too fast. You're doing too much. You're moving too fast, son. You go, slow down, boy, slow down, slow down, slow down, young lady, slow down, young man. There's a cliff down the road. I preach with passion this morning to tell you it's time to change roads. Isaiah 35 and 8, and I'm getting ready to go here. Got one more strip after this. And a highway shall be there. There's a highway. I hear people saying, and there's a highway to heaven. There's no highway to heaven. There is no highway to heaven. There's no highway. It says, and a highway shall be there. In a way. There's a highway in a way. And it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. But it shall be for those that are welfare men. Though fools shall not err, they're in. He said, there's a highway going to be there. In a way. I'm choosing the way. As I get ready to close here, Lord, save me from hell. Somebody lift your hands up and say, Lord, save me from hell. Come on, everybody in this building, lift up your hands and say, Lord, save me from hell. Reach over and tell somebody, I don't want to go to hell. Amen. Tell them again, I don't want to go to hell. Tell them, I want to be saved. And you that God has saved you, why don't you put your hand together and praise it? I'm closing with this. And Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, I want you to see this story. It said a certain man went down, went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Jerusalem is where the house of the Lord was. Jerusalem is where the temple was. And it says this man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves. That's important. He left where the temple was 
and said, I'm going to Jericho. Anytime you leave God and go to the world, prepare for a robbery. I know you think you're all right leaving the church, but the road from Jericho to Jerusalem was dangerous and robbers hung out. That was the route that robbers hung at. I want you to know something. Anytime you're leaving from Jerusalem to Jericho, there's a demon in the bushes. Some of you left Jerusalem to Jericho and you end up with sicknesses in your body. Some of you left Jerusalem to go to Jericho and you end up heartbroken, messed up by some man or some woman. Some of you left Jerusalem to go to Jericho. Hallelujah. And you end up, praise the Lord, and all of that, amen, sicknesses and disease. Some left, left, lost their womanhood and their manhood and went into homosexuality. You left Jerusalem heading to Jericho. When you leave Jerusalem heading to Jericho, you're going to get robbed. I know you feel that I don't want God, don't want the church, but look how many of you young people, you left God and on your way, look at what the devil have robbed you out heading from Jerusalem to Jericho. Look what happened to your life. Look where you are. Look how messed up. Look how the devil beat you down. Look how the devil, some of you went from Jerusalem to Jericho. Look at where you're at now from Jerusalem to Jericho. It didn't happen in Jerusalem. It happened when you changed your direction. Some of you got habits that you can't break. You didn't have them in Jerusalem. Some of you now facing 10, 20 years. It didn't happen in Jerusalem. Robbers waited outside of Jerusalem saying, is there a fool that's willing to travel this road? All that is, saw many beat up, saw many wounded, yet they're willing to travel from down. If I'm traveling anywhere, I don't want to travel in a downward position. When you leave God, you're heading downward. Hallelujah. You can't leave God and go up. I know you think you're doing fine because you got all of your money, all of your fame, all of your popularity, all of your friends, and you feel, but you, you cannot head no south and get north. You cannot head away from God and have success. It may look like success. It may feel like success, but it's not success without salvation. You cannot have success without salvation. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Somebody say hallelujah. He went down. And the Bible say, and fell among thieves. And they stripped him of his raiments and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. I'm closing there, but I want to know how many half dead people are here today. I know many of y'all look good, but the world got some of you half dead. You're not completely happy with yourself? Half dead. Relationship life in a mess. Life in a mess. Suicidal. Confused. Broken. Hurt. Can't stop drinking. Can't stop smoking. Just bound by so many demons and spirits. 
full of anger and hurt and confusion, a life of misery, half dead. Half dead. Oh, I know this is not the shouting message because I didn't tell you to tell me in three days you're going to get this and three days you get that. Isn't it good to be alive? Isn't it good to have some joy? Isn't it good to wake up in the morning knowing that everything's going to be all right? Isn't it good to wake up that even though there are things in your life that's not going on well, they're not pleasurable, they're not good, but I still got joy, I still got a happiness, I still got a peace. There's something about not being saved leaves you without peace, leaves you without happiness, leaves you without hope. But there's something about that person who is saved that can wake up every morning and, and is, I, I don't have what you have. I don't have the money that you have. I don't have the things that you have. I don't have the fame that you have. I don't have the car that you have, the house that you have, the money that you have. But there's a peace that I have. When I go to bed, I don't have to make myself go to sleep. I can rest at night. I can wake up in the morning. I can live a day of joy and happiness. I had a rich friend that I talked to and I was talking to him about getting saved. And he said, Brother Coward, out of all the things that I missed about being saved, I miss happiness. He said, I've had all the women, I've had the booze, I've had the drinking, I've had everything. But Brother Coward, I don't have no peace. I don't have no peace. And sometimes being saved, we somewhat feel bad because it looked like when I'm saved, there are people who look like on Facebook they're enjoying life. Oh, they got their fancy cars and they got their hair and they look like they're just living it. But oh, every Facebook post ain't true. Every Facebook post ain't true. Behind the curtains of some of these Facebook posts, behind the curtains of some of these smiles, behind some of these cars is a broken person that had to smoke dope to go to sleep, that had to take pills to go to sleep. And here I am that don't have a car and don't have a house, but I got joy, I got peace, I got life, I got hope. I wouldn't change my places with you for nothing. All the money in the world wouldn't make me trade this. How many are saved and happy? My God, how many are saved and got joy? How many are saved and got peace? I want all of you that know that it's an enjoyable life to be saved. Why don't you put your hand together and give God a praise? In fact, in fact, in fact, I think the reason some of y'all got to get so much is because you're not happy. That's why you got to have a car every year. That's why you got to buy this and buy that and buy that and buy that because what you're doing is trying to buy happiness and trying to buy peace. I can't afford to buy everything, but I got something that's greater than a car, that's greater than a house, that's greater than a job. I got life. I got peace. I got hope. God is calling for somebody. Whew, glory to God. God is calling for somebody. Hallelujah. Reach over and tell somebody I've got peace. 
Hallelujah. And he said, he'll give you peace that passes all understanding. I got life. He'll give you life and that more abundantly. Can we praise God and say hallelujah? Reach over and tell somebody, thank God I'm saved. My God, tell them, thank God I'm saved. Thank God I've been delivered from hell. Thank God I got life. Oh, somebody ought to praise God. This is a good life. Listen here. And by chance, there came down a certain priest that way. And as he saw him, he passed on his side. Listen, this guy's traveling, and he's, been, he's got beat up and wounded. Hear me good. And a priest is passing by in another direction. And the priest saw him and passed by. Amen. Then somebody else traveling on their way to Jerusalem. Now he's going from Jerusalem. And got beat up and on the side of the road. But somebody's going to Jerusalem. Priest going to Jerusalem and left him there. A Levite is heading to Jerusalem and left him there. Amen. Then a good Samaritan came by and picked him up and brought him back to Jerusalem. See, people didn't usually get robbed coming from Jericho to Jerusalem because the wealth wasn't in Jericho. It was in Jerusalem. But they got robbed coming from Jerusalem to Jericho. But somebody traveling in an opposite direction Picked him up. Said, I know you done got robbed because you tried to go to Jericho. But I'm going to pick you up. And I'm going to heal you. And take you back where you're supposed to come. Let me submit to you today. The best thing that could have ever happened to that man. Is he got beat up. And robbed before he got to Jericho. Because some folk get to Jericho and get comfortable. And never come back to Jerusalem. Glory to God. Oh, glory to God. See, Jericho is a place of sin. It's a place of comfort to sin. It's a place of being comforted. And I want to tell you today, the fact that this man got beat up saved him from being comfortable yes, in a sinful place. Some of you don't know it, but some of the best things that God has ever happened to you is to let some hell or havoc break your heart. Some of the best things that could have happened to some of you is you went to prison. I know it doesn't sound good, but I thank God I went to prison before I went to Jericho. Because had I got to Jericho, I'd have stayed in Jericho. Had I got to Jericho, I'd have been comfortable in Jericho. But something happened that beat me up and whipped me up. Something happened that tore me up. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, Shantabahaya. And I want to tell you something, hallelujah. Many of us in here was on our way to hell, on our way to Jericho, on our way to comfort, but God let something beat you up. How many of y'all remember what beat you up? How many of y'all remember what told you up? How many of you remember the state that you got in that said, I got to get back to Jerusalem. I got to get back to God. Oh, glory, when I talk about saving you from hell, I am saved so grateful of the things that God allowed to happen to break me
me to shake me. And somebody here today that has been trying to live a life of comfort and sin. Somebody here today who is trying to become a comfortable sinner. And God won't let you become a comfortable sinner. Because every time you do something, you get sick. Every time you make arrangements and plans, they go bad. Every time you hook up with something, it goes bad. I thank God that you love me enough that you won't let me get to Jericho. Thank you for saving me from hell. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Glory to God. Can somebody give God a praise and say hallelujah? Glory to God. Grab somebody by the hand and tell them I'm so glad that I didn't make it to Jericho. I'm so glad that I didn't make it to Jericho. Ah, because Jericho is a place that people get and feel like they don't want to be saved or feel like they don't have to be saved. I'm afraid that there's some of you that are getting close to Jericho because you've gotten to that point that Satan has robbed you. Satan has stripped you and you will get up after being robbed and stripped and still head down the Jericho beat up hurt and confused but when you get up instead of heading back to Jerusalem you head back to Jericho you've had sicknesses in your body you head back to Jericho you've had hurt and heartbreak and you head back to Jericho but thank God I got sense enough after the beating and after the whipping that says to the devil I'm canceling this trip I'm not going to Jericho I'm turning around and I'm going back to Jerusalem. How many of you thank God that you're headed back to Jerusalem? How many of you thank God? Glory to God. Can you put your hand together and give God a praise? Let me tell you something, saints of God. Don't you make the decision to leave God. Don't you make the decision to go in an opposite direction from God. Don't you make the decision to say, I'm going back into the world. Satan will rob you. Satan will strip you. Satan will take your joy. Satan will take your life. And after you lose the joy of life, here and then go and die and spend eternity in hell. Amen. There's somebody here today that God has sent me to speak to you and tell you head back to Jerusalem. You've had enough of the world. You've had enough of the hurt that the world gives. You had enough of the pain that the world gives. Amen. Head back to Jerusalem and some of you have got your stuff packed and you've got your mind made up that this is the direction that you want to go. I don't want to be saved anymore. I don't want to live for God anymore. I want to do my own thing. Let me tell you, you better unpack your stuff and get yourself together. The demon of death is waiting on the side of the road. The demon of destruction is waiting on the side of the road. God has been too merciful to you. He's been too gracious to you. Amen. For you to go in that direction. Wake up before it's too late and get back on the right road. Somebody say hallelujah. Can you put your hand together and give God a praise and say hallelujah. 
Glory to God. Grab somebody by the hand and tell them, I want to be saved. I want to be saved. Tell them again, I want to be saved. We are in the time of an I don't want to be saved attitude. I don't want God attitude. I want to come to church, but I don't want to be saved. I want to sing in the choir, but I don't want to be saved. I want to participate, but I don't want to be saved. Amen. Forget the saved stuff. Amen. Church is more than an entertainment center. Amen. Coming to church is more than seeing each other. Ah, no. I didn't get saved so I can sing in the choir and enjoy life. I realize there is a danger after I leave here. I realize that there is a hell after I leave here. And let me tell you something. You live life dangerously. You live life wickedly. You live life without God. Amen. Listen, hallelujah. When you leave this place, you better make sure that you have somewhere to go. When you leave here, you better make sure that you're ready. In fact, you're not promised that you can make it home today. You can get in your car today and on your way home, somebody run the red light and you end up in eternity. Amen. You can choke off of your food and end up in eternity. You can go to sleep and not wake up and end up in eternity. If I was you, I would make a decision to say to the Lord, Lord, save me. Save me from hell. Save me. I don't want to leave you the wrong way. Our young people, many of them don't get it. You want to be saved? No. Do you believe there's a hell? I don't know. I don't think there's enough about it. We got young people dying 19, 18, 20 30s, shootings, stabbings, robbings. God put this message in my spirit. He's talking to somebody. Somebody God is speaking to. Jamie, where's Jamie? Where's Jamie? He came to me this morning. He came to me with a word. Because I'm not usually preaching this kind of message on a Sunday. Get, get the mic. Give me that word you gave me. I don't usually preach this kind of message on a Sunday. It's been a long time since I even preached a message about hell. But God said, this message is not just a message. This is a warning. This young man gave me a word. What was that word? Memento mori. And what does that mean? Everyone must die or everybody dies. He came to me. He said, Pastor, this word keeps, it's in my spirit. He didn't say my spirit. He said, this word keeps coming to me. I can't shake it. He said, you, you know why? I can't, this word just won't get out of my mind. I keep hearing it. I keep hearing it. I keep hearing it. What is it again? Memento mori. And what it means? Everyone must die. I said, I know what it means. I said, that's what I'm supposed to preach this morning. I'm struggling with God about preaching. I'm saying, God, I don't, this, on a Sunday, yes. And I told him, I said, I said, no, wait, let's talk at the church. 
but he, 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 he was forced to come in because the Holy Ghost was dealing with him and I needed to hear what he had to say. Everybody must die. Somebody said, well, I'm going to make the rapture. You still got to die through salvation. Everyone. Some sinner here who doesn't have the mindset to want to be saved who says, I'm all right where I'm at. I'm cool. Maybe God is talking to you. I've watched some very tragic things happen since I've been pastoring this church. Unexpected. Watch a young man get shot who wasn't doing anything. I watched a young man that we greeted in school, loved every day and hugged every day and walked out of school and someone driving recklessly hit him. Died. And I don't mean to bring these reflections up to the mother, but I watched the mother begging. I sat there begging, crying and pleading, God, please, please, touch this child. Give this child a miracle. This is not some wicked, evil young man. Nicest boy you ever want to see taught manners and respect, always teaching me with respect. He didn't have any control over the circumstances. Now, he didn't live like a gangbanger. He didn't live like a thug, and death came upon him. What do you think about you all that's living and partying, living this fast life, 16, 7 years old, all tied up in gangs and foolishness? Threatening people. Let me, you, you hear me, and you hear me. You have something more than a shooting. It's where you go when you leave. It's, there is a hell. The gangbanger need to know there's a hell. The thug needs to know there's a hell. All of us need to know there's a hell, and you don't just get to heaven. You don't just rest in peace. You can rest in peace or roast in flames. You think that God automatically is just going to shoot you in and let you in? No. We've got to all appear before the judgment seat of God. Young people that got this attitude that I don't want to be saved and I don't want God, altar calls are made, they're calling for you. God is talking to somebody today. Today, God is speaking to somebody that's not saved. And God is telling you, you need to make a decision. You're not all right. You're not all right not being saved. You're not all right. Without God, you're not all right without salvation. I've delivered to you the whole counsel of God. I've preached to you what God said, preach. I've taught you what God said, teach. 
Now, what is the love of God? Listen, what is the love of God? God loves you enough that he knows that it's there. I like the way Jesus died hanging. He died like this. Calvary is God standing in the middle of the road saying, hey, don't go that way. All of us who are saved was heading on that same road that you was heading on. If you go to hell, you had to ignore Jesus. I'm driving. Push me there. All of us is on a road. Am I that heavy? <laughs> Y'all better stop cooking. <laughs> just, just, just pick, can you pick it up? All right. That's better. All of us on the road. But they struggling. There's something wrong here. There's nothing, something wrong. Put me down, man. I don't want y'all to come and have back problems. I'm going to the gym Monday. <laughs> and whatever y'all had to fix me today, give me silence. <laughs> if you go to hell, Jesus was standing up telling you, you don't have to go that way. That means you had to drive around him. You had to go around Calvary. I'm sitting here with my hands up saying, don't go that way. You don't have to die that way. You don't have, but you will go around the cross. And when you stand before God, crying and weeping on that judgment day, he's going to say, hey, I tried to stop you. I stood there on Calvary with my hands and reached out saying, you can stop here. You can turn here. Who is it in this place today that's not saved? Who is it in this place today that don't know the Lord, haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, haven't received the gift of the Holy Ghost? Or who is in here who are backslid? Uh, today's prayer is not about houses, land, and cars. Today is about your soul. And if you're here and you're not saved, if you're here, and you're a backslider. If you're here and you don't know the Lord, I want you to. I don't want you to wait. I don't want you to hesitate. Get out of your seat and run down to this altar like you need to be saved. Come on, like you need to be saved. Come on, like you're ready. Come out of your seat, yielding to God. Somebody else. Somebody else. Somebody else. Somebody else. Somebody else. Backslider don't come. And I want to tell you, ain't nobody hard in hell. You may act hard here, but ain't nobody hard in hell. 
Come a little closer. Come a little closer. This is not about what anybody think about you, how anybody feel about you. Sister Calvin. Listen, I, I preach this message today because I care about your soul. There's somebody else need to be here. 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 There's somebody else need to be here. God is touching somebody's heart. God is tugging on somebody. God is speaking to somebody. Somebody else God is speaking to. Listen, the ways of life, the cares of life, sin, the thrill of life, those things that be distracting, they can take your attention. They can take your focus. They can seem so enjoyable. It can seem so thrilling. But it ain't worth it. I got young men here, young people here. I got some of you young men that are standing here now that have almost been dead. Near death experience. Guns pulled on you. Threats made on you. But it's been the grace of God to keep you. Today while you're up here, I want you to make a decision in your heart that says to the Lord, Lord, I don't want to die in the shape I'm in. I don't want to leave it like this. Hallelujah. I want to be saved. Lift your hands up while you're here. Lift your hands up while you're here. Lift your hands up while you're here. I want you to think about this message that was preached to you today. And with all of the struggles and fights and battles that you're in, whatever weight you're in, I want you to ask God today while you're here, Lord, save my soul from hell. Save me, Lord. Save me, Lord. I need to make a decision. Even if I'm not tired of sin, I know what it's doing to me. I know it's capacity. I know that it'll bring me down. I know that it'll take me out. And God, I don't want to leave you. I don't know when my last day here is. Save me, Lord. Save me, Lord. Save me from my comfort of not being saved. Save me from my comfort of not being saved. Save me from my comfort of not wanting to be saved. Save me from complacency. Oh, God, save me. Oh, God, save me. Lift your hands up. Lord, we thank you today. I, I want to pray with each of you when I get through.